today on the Cule Podcast. Another day in quarantine, another day of useless talk from Tyler and Tyler himself, which is which is me. NHLPA player poll came out today. We'll take a deep dive into that. The NHL quarantine date has been extended just a little bit. And also, a little bit of junior hockey talk. Cody Jansen from World Hockey Report will join with us. We'll have all that and more on this episode of the Cule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cule Podcast. I am your host today, once again, the insider to the insiders, Tyler Cule, and another day in the lovely office, in the lovely apartment, all by myself, because Alex is out and about. By that, I mean out and about. I mean just not in the office. He's back home, you know, staying, quarantined, and stuff. He will not be joining us today. That does not mean, though, that you're only going to hear my voice in just a few minutes. We're going to bring on Cody Jansen from World Hockey Report. We're going to be talking about Connor Bedard being granted exceptional status into the WHL. The now it's going to be 15-year-old forward is probably going to get drafted by the Regina Pats, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. Get involved with today's episode by using the hashtag Podcast. Tweet us at Podcast and let us know about all of the good info. What are you doing, actually? What are you guys all doing today, huh? Everyone's staying, staying safe. I, myself, made a humongous impulse buy today. And I'm talking... Okay, I'm just a humongous impulse buy. For some people... It was a huge impulse buy for me. You know what? I've been jonesing because, you know, I love playing my PS4, and I have my PS2. I have a Sega. I have the original NES, and yeah, there's a lot of games on there, but you know one console that I don't have that I used to love playing growing up through middle school and into high school, especially on rainy days too, but I wanted to do something to get off the couch, get moving? Oh, yes. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Wii, the first Wii, not the Wii U, not the one that you really play. That pretty much was the predecessor to Nintendo Switch. I bought a Wii today, folks. Bought it off eBay. It'll be here in like two weeks, and hopefully by then I still want to play it, because if not, the wife will not be too happy, because trust me, folks, we had that conversation earlier today. Guess who didn't win that one? Yeah, yours truly, but... I have NHL Slapshot for it. Remember the one EA Sports game they made for it? Back in, I believe it was 2009? No, it was 2010. 2010, EA Sports made EA Sports NHL Slapshot. It was the one edition that EA Sports made for the Wii. 2K used to make, when they back when they made the NHL 2K series, they made, I believe it was three games. They made 2K9, no, 2K8. Oh gosh, was it two K nine and two K ten and two K eleven? Remember the Ryan? Remember Ryan Kessler? Ryan Kessler was on the cover of a video game. Alex Ovechkin, I believe, won. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if I can think off the top of my head, he was the only player to ever be featured on two separate, at least in hockey, he was the only one to ever be featured on two separate gaming consoles. Because I don't honestly, I don't think Wayne Gretzky ever made the cover of an NHL video game, with the exception of NHL Slapshot. I'm talking the con- the regular handheld console, the PlayStation, the Xbox, even the PC versions. I don't think Gretzky ever made it onto the cover of NHL, with the exception of Slapshot. And the reason why it became so big 
or at least one of the marketing tools, was Wayne Gretzky being on the cover of NHL Slapshot. I have the game itself. However, I needed to buy the stick and the Wii console because somehow my parents' old Wii console got misplaced. So I had to go online to get that. And I'd been Jones about it for a while. And, you know, I thought about building up my Wii, my me, my Wii Sports character all over again because I was a superstar in all the sports that I played on when I was a kid. Trust me, I didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up, if you guys haven't realized that yet. So I had plenty of free time on my hands. How? Yes, you're married, Tyler. How'd you do it? Don't ask questions you don't want answers to, folks. One of the things we'll be talking about later on after we talk with Cody Jansen is, like we talked about, the NHL player poll. That came out today, the 2019-2020 rendition. I did a quick run-through of the first couple of categories, like who's the best forward, best defenseman, goaltender, you know, something to do every year. And it's a little fun little thing to talk about. We'll definitely get into that later. I would love to actually highlight all of the all of the NHL teams right now getting their Twitch streams going because all you see now is everyone posting their games that would be played at this time of the year, which if we were in the regular season, had this coronavirus not gotten in the way of everything, we'd be at the beginning of the final week of the regular season. Only a few more games left would be the case, so that's happening. And so... It's kind of just carried over. And, of course, today being announced, the the self-quarantine period for players and staff has been extended to April 15th, this being reported by our good friend Chris Johnston and of Sportsnet Ontario. Well, Sportsnet, and he's based in Ontario. He usually writes the Leafs. You'll see him on Hockey Night in Canada during Saturday headlines. And it's it's tough, yes, because you just – it. It continues to push the sign of seeing, of not of possibly not having a a season coming up here, and it it sucks because we, you, you know, people, at first it was like, all right, we're just gonna have a late season, or you know, a late postseason, we're we playing into July, or whatever. It's beginning to look like that we may not have a season at all. I know I ask everyone, I'll probably ask Cody myself. It's just less and less likely for this to be the case, just because of the fact that why would you want to end a season in August, wait a couple weeks, and then boom, go right into the next season? Do you want to delay next season? I mean, it's it's pointless to really have a shortened season next year just because of this year. I say just scrap it. It's not like there are teams out there. I mean, there's Boston's going to be back next year, guys. Boston Bruins are going to be back next year. They'll be just as good. It's not like there's teams this year that are not going to be good next year. Yes, you have to talk about what, you know, does this whole year count as a contract year? You know, there's going to have to be that be worked out in the offseason, but that's why it's a good time to kind of take that into consideration. And so it's kind of just like try to figure out what exactly is the next move here for the NHL, the NHL PA, and I guess the brass itself. It only makes sense to just can it. Don't worry about it. Because if you really look at it too long, if you think about it for too much time here, I think what you end up actually having, what actually ends up happening, will be you'll have too short of a season and people are going to look at next season, the 2020-2021 season, as too much of a, of like a short, it'll be like, it won't be the same. Man, all these players look tired. Well, yeah, they look tired. They've been playing since August, or they've been playing, you know, they'll probably add the rest of the regular season somehow, and they'll be playing games from 
end of July through August, they've been playing for, you know, you're talking about maybe a 10, 11 month span here. Unless you do shorten the season. In that case, you're going to have more abbreviated numbers. You're going to have like a two-year span of calling it the, what are you going to call it? The COVID era where it's, you know, there's a 65-game season one year and a 68 or 65-game season the next year. I mean, you're almost going to have to wipe those in terms of individual records and team records because it won't matter. Unless you're going to go by, oh, this is what the team's winning percentage was that year. Nobody cares about that, guys. This ain't college hockey. All right, this is the NHL. You want to play a full 82-game season. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But we're going to take a quick break here, folks. When we come back, we're going to have Cody on, talk some WHL, talk some young guns coming up in the junior ranks out in the great white northwest and northwest United States. Because remember, they have Seattle, Portland, Tri-City, and Everett, to name a few in the U.S. division. We'll take that break when we come back here on the Kiel Podcast. Graciously joined now on the phone from a good friend of ours from outside Edmonton, Alberta, from the World Hockey Report, Cody Jansen, World Hockey Report, a show you guys can catch 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to 11 East a.m. Standard Time, 8 to 9 local time out there in the Mountain Time Zone on 12-ounce sports. Cody, how you hanging in there up there, man? Hey, I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's a little bit of a weird time up here. Everything feels very quiet, calm. It's, it's almost relaxing to a certain extent, but obviously there's a lot of uncertainty. So still getting by even though there's no or not much hockey going on. Well, I mean, you guys, I know that I've seen some of, uh, some of the guys have been playing a little Twitch stream on the, on the World Hockey Report, so you guys are staying active on that front, at least. Hey, you got to do something to pass the time. Yeah, no, I was just saying how I got myself a Wii just so I could play the old EA Sports Angel slap shot, so trying to stay in game shape somehow. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, I'm not a massive video game guy myself, but... You know, when you've got hours of time, you kind of find something to entertain yourself. Speaking of hours of time, because I spent seven hours doing this one night, and I have almost regretted ever since. Have you watched Tiger King yet? Unfortunately, I did. I got sucked into it first episode. I was like, this is so stupid. Then all of a sudden, the second one, you kind of get in, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Now I'm sucked in, just like everyone else. I don't think I've ever met someone who started it and didn't finish. I was literally like, I because my, my wife's a nurse, and she was working one night, and she's like, don't, don't watch it. Because I kept seeing it on Netflix and everything. You're like, all right, well, maybe I'll check it out eventually. And I'm like, one time, like, oh, I'm having dinner. It's only a 50-minute episode. I'll watch it with dinner, and I'll you know, play video games or do an article or something. Next thing you know, you watch one episode and you blink and it's 11 o'clock at night and you're like, this has gone too far. It's something else. It's, it's crazy. My, I, it's funny. Like my, I show my wife like the memes now because all of a sudden it's become this ungrateful cult classic now. And she's like, I don't get it. I'm like, you don't want to. It's, you you almost have (laughs) to remember you almost have to remember that it's actually true. I had to look it up to make sure it was actually true events because it seemed so fake. That was well done. It was well done, like just how crazy it is and how much they actually, you know, put into seven episodes. Right. I mean, geez. And now I'm pretty sure they're somehow going to wait to do a part two. But hopefully there is, I mean, I just from watching, I'm not going to do any spoilers because there's people that need to watch it to understand how dumb it is. But... 
One thing that is dumb for us hockey fans is the fact that there are some hockey leagues that will not finish the year, one of which is the entire Canadian Hockey League, the Quebec Major Junior League, Ontario Hockey League, and most importantly, the WHL, the Western Hockey League, which if you really look at it, with the exception of the Quebec League, is probably one of the, at least the most provinces, because it goes all the way from Manitoba to British Columbia, and it's kind of a it's kind of a sad scenario there, Cody, just because of looking at the rosters. I've been able to follow it just a little bit this year, not as much as I did last year, but you know, teams like Cam Loop that may not be as good next year, and teams like you know Tri City that made the playoffs, and I'm looking at the wrong standings. There we go. I was looking at old standings. Portland that's been doing good this year. Cam Loop that's towards the top. There were some teams this year that really had a good shot to make it to the Memorial Cup, but. Unfortunately, with it being canceled this year, not going to. Who did you think had a good chance to make it through all the way to the Shinoeth Cup? It, it's so tough. I mean, with Kelowna hosting this year, it was really weird. Like, I mean, they were a terrible team. It was just a horrible situation there. Like, I mean, they barely got a wild card, if I remember right. So they were just on the edge of wherever. But there, there was some really good teams. And, I mean, you don't want to take away the great season that, you know, Portland, Everett had. Even the Edmonton Oil Kings up here, they were great. Although I, I will say this, and it's not to take anything away from the Oil Kings, but the, the East was a, and the Central, I mean, just the whole Eastern Conference was a lot weaker than the West this year. So it's, it's really tough as much as I would love to say that, you know, some of the young guns would continue to produce for the Oil Kings like Kosa and Gunther in playoffs. I think you have to go with a team from out West and, Kamloops had some pretty good players, but I think end of the day, everyone's pretty sold on a team like Everett or Portland getting in. Uh, Portland's firepower, definitely a lot more, but I mean, Everett in the, the defensive, you know, that side of their game, they're, they're such an evolved program where everyone buys in in Everett and they've got a good system, they've got a good regime that everyone follows through. But uh, I think you'd be hard pressed to argue against Portland going to the Mem Cup from the dub. They I mean they were really good this year. Personally, as a former goaltender myself, I'm always partial to the guys in net. So that's why I was a guy like even last year I thought Everett was gonna go far into the playoffs because of a goaltender like Dustin Wolf. And it's funny to look at it now because he's starting to evolve into a really good goaltender. He was a seventh round draft pick by Calgary. I mean, this guy, I don't know if, you know, what the Flames situation goaltending is going to be in the future, but if this kid can develop properly, he may be a goaltender for the Flames in the next five years. The biggest thing about Wolf, and again, I don't want to seem like I'm just ripping on him. Obviously, he's had a couple of unreal years. I mean, I, I do think he's going to be a professional goaltender, obviously, but his style just isn't NHL. I mean, he's undersized. You know, he's, he's very quick, obviously, but you just don't, those types of goaltenders I mean you're a goaltender yourself that's not your general 1A goaltender that's not your your generic I mean your your Darcy Camper your Carey Price your six foot three six foot four goaltender who moves very slowly rarely gets caught out of position where I, I mean Wolf just doesn't have that element to his game and I mean some of that comes with size but yet again I mean keep the pocket of the net he's gonna go far yeah, and you did talk about Kelowna kind of being a team that was squeaking in. I remember, what was the year at Sask or that the Blade Saskatoon held it? Weren't they a team that barely made it in the playoffs, and they ended up getting swamped in the Memorial Cup? I, was that in 2012, I think it was? Swept in the first round. Yeah, they were... They had like 
40, it's 40 or 50 days off in between playoff, like when they lost out in playoffs to the Memorial Cup or the start of the Memorial Cup. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Well, I mean, almost, I don't want to say a comparison to that, but like when Regina a couple of years ago, they, they hosted it and they got knocked out in the first round by Swift Current, ended up almost dang near winning the thing. But it's still, I mean, do you, do you like that idea of the host team getting an automatic bid? Cause obviously it's great for the town, great for the city. And they always bring fans for the home team, but you see it time and time again, that the home team ends up not producing as good of a team as, you know, obviously the teams actually win their league playoffs. No, I, I hate it. I, I, I mean, I totally understand why people like it and I totally get why they do it. But I mean, I think from a, you know, a players and actual team perspective, you, you can't even enjoy it to an extent of these league champions have now gone through four rounds of playoffs. You know, they've battled their ass off where generally the host, they might not even make it to the league finals or win. So now they've generally got extra rest. Plus, I mean, it's still kids playing. It's junior hockey, and everyone knows that that's as emotional as it gets. I mean, that is the peak stage of emotional hockey where, you know, these are the biggest crowds that a lot of them have ever played in and will ever play in front of. And so now you get to play in front of your home crowd. You've got rest. You've got that little bit of spark coming from a home crowd. Like it, it's no wonder why a lot of these host teams are actually winning the Memorial cup because you know, they, they've just got that advantage. Right. Cause they like, I mean, there are, there are a few, I will say exceptions through like last year, Halifax took, you know, ran Naranda to their, their league playoff finals. So they were already there. And so it's not like, you know, every team is going to be bad that host. With that said, though, since Kelowna now will not get the opportunity to host this year because the CHL has already come out and said that they will move on to an OHL site to keep the rotation going, do you think it's fair to the city of Kelowna, who's already probably put a good number of dollars into this Memorial Cup, would it be fair to have it go to Kelowna the next time the, the WHL gets tabbed in 2023 to host the Memorial Cup? They have to. They have to. I mean, if they don't, that's the, you know, the scummiest thing possible, but yet again, who knows what they'll they'll come up with or decide. At end of the day, yeah, it really sucks for Kelowna. I mean, it sucks for the the city. It sucks for the sponsors. Sucks for the players. But I mean, end of the day, it's for a bigger good here. And I think everyone kind of understands that. I'll I'll, I'll throw it over to basketball again. And hey, I mean, if they're willing to cancel March Madness, which brings in billions. You know, right. there's obviously some, some serious concerns here that, you know, if you don't take them serious, yeah, I mean, who knows what happens. Yeah, I mean, we, I'm sure that nobody's debating the fact that the season should be canceled. And, I mean, the, the, I almost had an argument last week with my brother about the fact that should Kelowna get it next year, should they just bump it back here? But I guess if you can wait around, because unless Kelowna, because the typical thing for a Memorial Cup host to do is just stack up their team. I guess maybe giving them a few years to try to develop talent may actually be the better idea, so they can be better the next time it comes around. Yeah, they've got an advantage now. I'm sure it's something that's being discussed, and I think you know if you're a betting man, you definitely put your money on Kelowna getting that when the Dub has to host again. So realistically, if that's the case, you're going to see teams starting to you know really take a hit next year and start rolling with a lot more 16- and 17-year-olds than they normally would, just because they know that three years down the road, you know, it's back in Kelowna. And so I, I could definitely see a few tough years ahead for uh, a team like that, but knowing that they have 
extra preparation to get it done could really help them. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it'll be good because now they'll have an opportunity to draft, and I'm looking at the the draft order for this coming year's draft selection, and Cologne is drafting eighth. Now, I guess I my big question here is, so Regina Pats won the draft lottery for the upcoming 2020 WHL Bantam draft. Is there, I mean, because I guess they end up getting a trade with Swift Current. How does, does the draft lottery work the same as it does in the NHL? Because I wonder how a team like, because you look at the standings, you think, how did Regina jump three teams to get there? But, I mean, because obviously they, traded, they had a trade with Swift Current, who was abysmal, to say the least, this season. How did how does the draft yeah, lottery work in the Western League? Lottery. Yeah, it is a draft lottery, so you know, very similar to the NHL. And it's, I mean, it's good for them. I mean, Regina, like I said, is only a couple of years removed from actually being at the Memorial Cup. And like typical, some teams that stack up on, you know, on overage talent, they end up taking a dip next the next couple of years. So this will give them an opportunity to, to draft some high end talent. I almost want to go into Swift Current because don't forget, Swift Current was in. Regina the last time they were in the Memorial Cup and since then they've had abysmal seasons not quite as bad as the 1989-1990 Victoria Cougars Cody I did some research here the worst record in the history of the WHL can you guess how many points the 89-90 Cougars had in a 72 game season I'm gonna get a 72 game season I'll go with 12 12 okay did you look this up before because <laughs> that's how many they had uh, oh, wow. Okay, that's just a good guess right there. Luck of the draw. No kidding. Jeez. So they went 565-2. and two. Not They did a lot better than the, I think it was the 95-96 London Knights that went 360-3. and or 363-3. Uh, That's just, oh gosh. The London Knights were a bad team at one point. But, and so, they, still, they still would have kicked the shit out of the Battle Creek Rumblebees. Oh gosh! Oh, they oh they probably could have. Oh. So I yeah, because I anyone who follows World Hockey Report, first of all, I totally agree that everyone should go on follow you guys because you guys provide more and much better Federal Hockey League content than probably the Federal Hockey League does. I got to poke fun at it once in a while. Oh man, that league is so bad. I we actually joked down about the on the show one time. My brother was like, "You should go try out for them. They need a goaltender because we live about half hour from Battle Creek." over here in West Michigan. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Cause there's a lot of, it's funny. Like to know, like some kids actually got cut from that team. And I'm like, how bad could they have been? I mean, gosh, like how oh, bad those I, players could have been. I mean, just a, a dumpster fire organization, like top, I mean, top to bottom. Like that was just an absolute mistake. That's, that's like, you know, the, the Fed will take like two steps in the right direction with teams like Carolina, Columbus, Elmira, like just like like actual organization wise, not like the owners trying to fight fans and refs outside, but or try like just like actual organization wise, then they'll take like seven steps back, and you're like, like you could have seen this coming from ten miles away. I I will say that I think what they tried to do was they just tried to have even because I looked at I'm like man they have ten teams now in that league or something like that they actually have like two separate divisions which because I played it for a couple months in Port Huron their first year after they moved from Dayton. And, you know, there were six teams, so you were traveling to New Hampshire and play Berlin for a three-game weekend up there. But that's just because that's, I mean, that's how it was. That's how the league was. Now there's actually division, so you can actually separate it. So that's probably the only reason why they picked up a team like Battle Creek. Who knows? Yeah, it's 
it's a fuddy-duddy league. But back to the Western League here. So with Regina getting the first overall pick, it is almost certain they are going to draft Connor Bedard. And good thing I looked up my research, because for some reason I had set in my mind that Connor Bedard was a defenseman. I almost pulled Steve Dangle and called him a defenseman. Good thing I looked it up. He is a exceptionally good forward, played for West Vancouver Academy, the under-18 team. He is the first player in the WHL to ever get granted exceptional status. And apparently we should have all been seeing this, Cody, because Hockey News called him the future of hockey when they did an article when he was a 13-year-old. So, I mean, what is it about Connor Bedard that makes him a player that is, should be granted exceptional status? I, I think I, I still battle back and forth with, you know, should he or shouldn't he. And I, I actually have a hard time thinking that this is of, of benefit to these players. Like, you know, I, I, I totally agree. But if you see what happens with Savoy last year in Winnipeg, like, yes, he was able to produce some points. He was able to put some up, but also... I mean, he got clocked a couple of times, which it, it's, you hate to put the term lucky on it, but, you know, if a 20-year-old's taking a run at a 15-year-old, like, you, I mean, you're putting your actual hockey career on the line at risk just to play up. And, I mean, what's, what's wrong? Clearly at the, you know, the Canadian School League or whatever for the academics, like, Yes, he was one, if not the best player there, but that's that's clearly a step down from normal midget AAA hockey. Like there's, especially you know BC Alberta, there there's no doubt that there's no one going to be putting up 84 points and 36 games or whatever. So you, you kind of wish that they would, you know, maybe think twice about it. Not saying he's going to be a bad player. But, but yet again, it just worries me about players' health and are they going to rush them in because what happens if they get clocked a couple of times? It's not like these are, you know, 10-year-old kids anymore, but still. If you start doing this, you kind of start going a little bit younger and younger. Sooner or later, something bad's going to happen, and then you're going to have to take a look in the mirror and go, okay, why did we do that and did that actually benefit us? Like, there's, there's no doubt Bedard is going to be the best player in the Western Hockey League one day, but... Is, it, is there a need to actually rush him in at 15 where no one else, I mean, think about that. No one else. Think all the, the great NHL players, all the great hockey players from Western Canada, you know, Western USA, and no one else has been granted exceptional staffs playing the dub at 15. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing that this, this is the, the right call now and, I mean, that, that's just my opinion. I, as I said before, I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to turn out into a heck of a hockey player, especially for Regina, who everyone knows they can use all the help they can get. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see him on a daily basis. My biggest thing was, because I did a lot of, I, I watched you know a few highlight reels from him, and yeah, you see a lot of it, but, and you talked about how the school league is, how he puts up points. Some of those games, too, the defense in these leagues... They're, they are kids. They're a lot of inexperienced kids. I was looking at the scoreboard when he was scoring, and they were like 5'5", five, 6'6". Five, six, six. Defense isn't that tough, and given that his size is 5'8", he's 5'8", 165 pounds. I weighed 165 pounds when I was like 11. He's not the biggest player out there, and arguably of the three Canadian Hockey Leagues, the Western League is probably, I mean, you can probably tell me this more than anyone else, Cody, more physical and tougher than the other two. There's a reason why you have guys like Tavares, Ekblad, McDavid. 
yeah, Sean Day, but we'll, we ignore that one. But like Shane Wright, those guys can probably make it in the OHL because it's not as physical. And you can say even less about the Quebec League. But the Western Hockey League, I've always known, has been always been tougher, stronger, and harder to get by if you are a smaller player that's not tough, especially at a size like Connor Bedard. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's one of my points there, too. You brought up the size, and obviously that, that, that has to be a concern. When you look at, you know, there's, there's 19, 20-year-olds in this league who are six foot four, six foot five, 220 pounds. You know, they're, they're full-grown men almost. Like, they're not getting any bigger. If anything, they're going to slim down before they hit the pros. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different. It'll be interesting to see. And, yeah, I mean, I, I do honestly think he's going to develop into a great player. But let's get through these first few years first year. I, I don't think he's a Shane Wright. I don't – I mean, it, it's so hard to tell. It's hard to predict. I mean, we're, we're talking about a 14-year-old here where, yeah, like, I mean, you're, you're kind of just speculating on speculation here on how he's going to be. I haven't watched a full game of his. I, you know, I, I've seen obviously the highlights and everything. Those are all over the place. But I still have a hard time seeing that this, this I mean, it, it's kind of a, it's a gamble. It could be really good or it could be really bad. And, and obviously you hope it goes well because I'm sure there's other kids that are kind of coming up through the Bantam ranks and I'm sure even some young kids that are 10 or 11 years old thinking, all right, if he can do it, so can I. But you have to be so good. And there, there's a reason why I believe Savoy didn't quite get the exceptional status because this was after Sean Day and nobody between McDavid and Day, I believe, or between McDavid and Shane Wright this year, had been granted exceptional status because it didn't quite work out so well for Sean Day. And you, he was pushed into the league too early. I know Joe Valeno did get it in the Quebec League. And yeah, he's turned out to a decent pro here in Grand Rapids, but he's no superstar. And that's kind of the point, the the term exceptional, because they are better than everyone else. You don't want this kid to just come into the league and be a 40, 50 point kid and, you know, be irrelevant. You want him to show off that he can be a eventual superstar. Exactly. And I think it's, a little bit of a publicity stunt on the on the dub stake, which obviously it's huge for them because they know that you know they're they're losing the Mem Cup this year. They've had all I mean, you know, you've got one of the Kelowna, you got Foot, his dad's the coach, and he gets fired mid season. So, you know, they've got a couple of rough looks. So it's not like this is them saving face, but this is them bringing some attention. And it, it has. It's brought every single media outlet person you know, everyone talking about the Western Hockey League, which, yeah, I mean, they're going to take that with open arms. Yeah, I mean, it's it. you almost hope that it goes well just so that opens up. Because if it doesn't go well, the WHL will probably never do it ever again. But, obviously, there's going to be more than one kid named Bedard. There's going to be one, more than one player drafted at this upcoming draft. Is there anyone else that's really, you know, blowing everyone's minds? Because, unfortunately, unless you really go deep into the league and follow the league, I know there's a couple guys that I know that run an OHL podcast out here that are already providing coverage, but are there any like talented Bantam players that are coming out the West here? Any kids that are moving up from the States to come play? Cause as of right now, obviously when you give a kid exceptional status, the spotlight's put on him, but is there anyone else people in the WHL should be looking out for? I mean, there's a couple of unreal forwards as well coming from Saskatchewan. Let's not forget, but it's not the only one playing you know, under 18 midget hockey. There's also uh, Braden Yeager and Riley Height from the Saskatoon Contacts. They're also playing midget hockey this year. And I mean, 
the the Sask or the Saskatchewan League for midget AAA. It's it's one of the more physical. I mean, you know, you you don't want to throw the the farm boy context out there, but these are both players who are playing in very tough leagues, and so you know, for both of them to be around a point per game as an underager and you know, legitimate midget AAA hockey, that's pretty impressive. And Jaeger's, um, I believe he's almost six feet tall. I mean. I might be wrong on that, or I might be off a little bit, but I think he's about six feet tall. One, yeah, according to Elite Prospects, he's 5'10", 178. Seems a little bit heavy, but yet again, he's a big kid, and so uh, and he plays right up the middle as well. So, I mean, someone looking for a center of the future, that's going to be a great option. I mean, I think height's going to be a goal scorer, without a doubt. There's also a couple of uh, defensemen. That'll be solid as well. And one I've got to watch a few times, Mazin, Leslie, and Lloyd. Plays for the, the Bobcats here, Midget. Uh, and, I mean, just another big, smooth skating defenseman. Can move the puck well. And so I would expect him to go in, you know, maybe not the top five. I've seen some lists of them saying that, yeah, he's going to be a top five pick for sure. it's a tough one because, you know, trying to judge a team like Lloyd, who it's a smaller center, let's be honest, there's not all the attention that, say, a player who's playing in Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary is going to get. So it's a little bit of a different scene, but I think he's got the potential to, you know, be a number one guy to run a power play in the Western Hockey League for two to three years. Plus, I mean, you know, Callum Lynn did Swift Current. That's going to be a big one as well. Another tall center He's always played pretty much above his years. He's kind of just ripped up every single level that he's been at. And, I mean, a lot of people are going to know his older brother, Colin, who, you know, went on an absolute tear in the Western League. And somehow Hockey Canada just turned a blind eye to that. That was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I can throw it out there from an international perspective. But here, here's here's Lynn's stats this season in Bantams. Just threw this one up there. 27 games, he had 120 points. There, so, there are some. He played Bantam. He, he's, yeah, he's played midget AAA. He's affiliated midget AAA for the past two years. So he affiliated midget AAA as a Bantam first year as well, which is allowed in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's already played 19 games of midget AAA, which I get it. That's less than Jaeger in height. That's why he's down the list further. But, I mean, 120 points in 27 games, it's, you know, he's going to be a goal scorer. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that number is ridiculous. While I was doing some some of my research as well, like, having that many points, like, that many points per game, that's dang near Gretzky when he was 10 numbers. Like, it's it's crazy. Do you know, because I know it's... Four and, a half, four and a half points a game. I mean, that's what, you know, I know a buddy of mine that used to play you know, D3 NCAA down here. He does in his beer league every Monday night, but that's that's because he's that's a beer league when everyone's half in the bag. But, I mean, it's it's crazy to know that someone can put up that many points and nobody try to, you know, double-team him. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, the, you almost hope, though, that those numbers transfer or the kids don't peak too soon because sometimes you do see that. You kids see kids that are first, you know, first-round picks that in a couple of years, they're almost irrelevant. And it's almost hard because these kids are you know, 13 or they're 14, 15, they're all playing, you know, midgets, some guys in the, in the Bantam draft, they're playing midget triple a, and they end up just not either not developing, 
not being able to adjust. I mean, it's a gamble at that age. Whereas, you know, when you're drafting kids in the NHL draft, it's almost easier because you're sort of drafting closer to fully grown adults, I guess. I mean, that's the, that's the big difference in junior hockey drafts to the big, to the big league drafts. That's why I would like to see the Western league follow suit as the OHL. That 15 year old draft is the best thing that they've got going for them. That's how it should be. I mean, I, I, I don't want to rip on exceptional status again. I probably sound like the most negative person out there, but I just, I, I think that if you're drafting a 15 year old who's now eligible, like that next season, he can step onto your team. That's how it should be. That's how, you know, give them, give everyone a year of midget hockey almost. And that, like, you know, if someone wants the exceptional status to play midget, that's awesome. Go for it. That's totally different than to play major juniors. So, Give everyone a year of midget hockey. Then, you know, you, you give it a little bit of time, let them grow a little bit more, and now make your choice. And now once you make that choice, now these kids know that that offseason, as soon as the fall hits, as soon as camp starts, they're battling for a spot. I think, I think you would see a lot different of an approach from a team and player perspective if that, if that was the case out west. Yeah, it's. I mean, because I think you. Some kids think, "Oh yeah, I'm great. I'm great at this level." Yeah, I thought I was a pretty good, decent high school goaltender. I went to go play ACHA college, and I realized, man, I suck. <laughs> that was just from club college to, or from high school to club college. And you know, these kids are going from, like you said, Bantam AAA to you know playing kids their age who are nowhere near grown to playing part near men half the time. I mean, it's and it's not like you know big guys that are six four and slow like. We're talking guys, you know, I, I always go back to you know, a guy like Griffin Reinhardt, who was a big defenseman, you know, obviously his NHL career didn't quite turn out, but a guy that was a really good defenseman in Edmonton for the longest time, he was not a guy that you could get around so easily. I mean, and he was big. And that's the thing too, is that these kids come in and unless they somehow put on 20 pounds when they're 14 years old, they're not going to be able to make it physically at least. Oh, and that's the thing. A ton gets put on size. And I mean, that's, that kind of comes down to the skeleton, the, the organization of, you know, what they kind of need slash want. But yet again, you can never predict how much a kid's going to grow, how much weight muscle they're going to put on. So it, it really is a little bit of a toss up, but I would like to see them have an extra year. It would be definitely good just because then they could develop more. And, and then, cause that's why, that's why you never see kids go from high school down here, at least high school to college or, even, you know, I, I guess that's the best comparable I can have to folks in the States because everyone's like, oh, yeah, you never see a true freshman play NCAA hockey. Well, yeah, because, you know, they're 18-year-olds playing against 25-year-olds. I mean, it's kind of the same, almost the similar kind of gap. But, you know, it, it's a bummer, Cody, because obviously we're talking about the draft already. We're not talking about the playoffs or, the you know, the eventual Memorial Cup. But there is one league that for some reason is considering still moving on, at least not canceling it yet and that is the nhl cody do you think there is a chance i know with there's been all this media and all the players saying oh yeah you know we could play a few games and go into the playoffs do you think it's worth it if the nhl sticks around and tries to work it out and play until august i mean or should they just can the season and just move on to next year i don't see any way that they'll be able to to really ring this back in it's such a touchy case and you know, who knows when we're even at the peak of the coronavirus COVID, you know, pandemic here in North America. So it's so tough to predict that. And I don't see many players actually wanting to play past July 1st, especially those who are UFAs, because 
now you're running a much larger risk of, you know, playing, getting injured and all that. And so, yeah, it's going to suck for St. Louis wants to, you know, defend their Stanley Cup championship. Yeah, it's going to suck for Boston, who's had a great regular season. But at the end of the day, it's, I just, I, I don't know if I see a way of the NHL getting back. I don't see them playing the Stanley Cup in September. I, I just don't think that that's an option. I remember I was listening to 31 Thoughts, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, and they suggested doing like uh, how they do in Europe, like the UEFA Champions League. They have the playoffs within the season, sort of. And I'm like, that just wouldn't work. It's not, I mean, you'll. it's funny, like you'll watch soccer teams, they'll put on, or football teams, they'll put on other, you know, they'll put on a different player staff for their league games and then save the good players for, you know, the Champions League. You're not going to want to see... You know, say you are the Jets, you're not going to want to see the Manitoba Moose play the Pittsburgh Penguins on Friday night when they're supposed to be playing Minnesota the next night in the playoffs or some other team in the Central Division. I mean, it it just doesn't seem feasible, and I get it. You want to have a Stanley Cup champion every year, but different times call for different measures. I mean, that's my piece of it. I, I would completely agree with that, and, you know, I think that there's a lot of different options you could throw out there, but at the end of the day, if you're not playing full seven-game series in actual playoffs, I mean, as much as I'd love to see a March Madness bracket style or something like that, I just don't see any way that this season gets done, you know, where everyone's happy. And so it's kind of, you make a couple of teams happy or you piss everyone off. And I think you, you just got to piss everyone off. And right, it sucks. I mean, it sucks. It's hurting a lot of economies, a lot of jobs. Players aren't going to be happy about it, but end of the day they're they're really i don't see any other option at this point yeah it seems kind of kind of far-fetched but here's a very important question to you because the kootenai ice were a horrible hockey team there towards the end of their time then they moved to winnipeg and they part near win the division or at least they get in, they were going to be in a playoff spot who has a better chance of winning a champion a league championship first the winnipeg jets or the winnipeg ice i'll end this one on you here i'll end you on a toughie what do you say winnipeg jets Okay. Without a doubt, I, I mean, I think the Winnipeg Ice obviously have some some good players. They've got some some good pieces. They they are a young team, so I mean, maybe maybe I'll be eating my words in a few years. But I I really, as much as the Jets had a collapse, I mean, I, I think Buffalo screwed them over. I mean, I, I get it. There's other things going on there, but he definitely screwed them over. You know, they replaced a ton of their decor, but they still got some good young pieces to build around. And, I mean, I, I honestly think that if, if Liney's not your guy, then you trade him next year. I think they can bring in some very fine players and prospects to build around. And if you're you're shooting for, you know, four years down the road, I think Connor Hellbuck's still going to be, in, you know, at his prime. And that's a, that's a goaltender who, if he's hot, He's one of the best in the league, no doubt. You really, you realistically for the Jets, you just need defense at this point. You lot, I mean, your blue line's pretty much gone. If Josh Morrissey is your number one defenseman, I'm sorry, I, that's you need to improve that. That's probably the only part for the Jets that they really need to boost up if they want to make a deep run. But see, I mean, I think that's kind of why a line A trade would make sense. And you know, you can you can recoup a lot. Uh, you know, getting rid of him, he's still on a friendly deal. I think his next deal, he's going to be asking for too much. You see, although all these young kids are holding out nowadays, get them out, get something of value. You know, uh, 
not to rip on Europeans, but like building around Europeans isn't always your best answer, especially, especially playing in the West. So yeah. I don't know. I, I think that there's other options they can pursue and have a really successful team. Yeah, they, they were very close that one year, but we will definitely see how that goes. We'll definitely see how the WHL draft goes. We'll see how Connor Bedard does in year one with presumably the Regina Pats, unless, you know, they, they black out for that draft and they pick someone else, which I don't see why they do anything else. But, Cody, thanks again for coming on here. Folks, make sure you tune in to the World Hockey Report on 12 Ounce Sports. You can also catch their podcast on Apple Podcasts. They're live every morning or every Monday and Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m., 9 a.m. Local Time in the Mountain Time Zone. Cody, thanks again once again, and uh, we'll definitely talk to you soon there. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. And we'll be back with more of the Keel Podcast right after this. That was Cody Jansen of World Hockey Report. Lots of great content. Make sure you guys follow them on Twitter at World Hockey Report. That is at World Hockey RPT. Make sure you follow them there just to make sure that you get all of their good content. They have they've been doing a lot of good questions. And I, you know, if we had a little bit more time with Cody, we'd been able to chat with him more about some of the questions they've asked. They've asked, you know, like good, you know, good entertaining questions. You know, which teams would look good in, you know, retro sweaters, retro jerseys, whatever you whatever you call it. You know, just have some have some fun with them. You know, they're always good, always a good follow on Twitter, providing all the most fun and entertaining content, including the best of the Federal Hockey League or the Federal Prospects Hockey League, excuse me. But, no, he's definitely a good follow. Make sure you check out their show once again, 12-Ounce Sports, every Monday and Friday. He is live on there, Cody, giving you all the good info um, that is all going around the hockey world. Moving on with this show here, one of the kind of stories that's kind of come out of this lull in hockey, no action going on except for like I said, the simulations you see on the Twitch streams or even some people like to put it on Twitter Live. I know LA Kings are one of those. There's been a player that everyone's been talking about. And it's so weird that at a time like this, they're talking about you know free agents, whatever. But Alexander Barbanov, have you heard about this kid? Played for SK St. Petersburg, contributed three points in their playoff run before the Continental Hockey League's postseason ended just four games into the postseason, even though they had started their playoffs without any fans. Alexander Barbanov, he's apparently an interesting player. Some people are calling him, according to Luke Fox on Sportsnet, Ilya Mikheyev 2.0. And any of you Leaf fans that knew how good Mikheyev was before he broke his ankle, kind of a bigger size, good skater despite looking completely awkward, and very talented when he's with the puck and when he kind of gets in a groove. Barbanov's a 25-year-old that Slipped through his draft year in 2012. Didn't get drafted. However, has been a good champion. Been a big winner over there in Russia. He's won two Gagarin Cups with SK St. Petersburg, 2015 and 2017. Was part of the Olympic Athletes of Russia team that won the 2018 Olympic Games. Also won bronze medals with the Russian national team. Won the 2014 bronze medal that beat Canada. Won the 2017 and 2019 bronze medals in the WHF World World Championships, the Senior Championships, if you will. And has put up 27 goals and 66 points over the past two seasons. 
in 101 games played. And yes, I know that's not a point per game. So what makes him a big time player? Well, that's the thing. He's not a big time player. He's a kind of a guy that is going to be the grinded out, work hard kind of player. He's not a superstar, but he's got he's got decent hands. He's quick moving. He can make a move in tight. And like I said, he's not going to be a flashy player, but he's going to be a guy that can put up points while being able to be capable of being a role player. And there have been people that have been talking to him. You know, they're trying to figure out where he'd fit into. Apparently, Kyle Dubas and the Leafs are going after him. Apparently, John Chaka of the Arizona Coyotes has expressed interest in the Russian player. And that's been kind of the thing, of the, for the, particular for the Leafs over the past few years, of bringing overlooked players out of Europe. Unrestricted free agents, that is. You know, look at guys. I know there's been some kind of some duds. Guys like Par Lindholm and guys like Nikita Zaitsev. And I know at one point Zaitsev looked like a future defenseman. But then I say that and you're like, Tyler, why would the Leafs pick up another Nikita Zaitsev? Well, that's not the thing. That's the point is that it's been kind of a recruiting tactic by the Leafs. Bring in players that were overlooked in their draft year, went over the KHL, stayed there, kind of almost kind of follow through the, I guess, the spotlight of ever coming to the NHL. But, you know, you have guys like Callie Rosen that came over, Igor Jaganov that came over. And, and I mean, it's an interesting scouting tactic because it has you realize that there's more than just the talent you see coming out of drafts. You know, there's other ways to obtain talent. And you've seen that with a couple of teams, some player. I mean, I'm not going to say guys like Kovalchuk are a big, you know, deep find in Russia. But, you know, there's all sorts of players that'll do that. And that's where, you know, the European scouting staff for each NHL organization is important now because now they realize that they can bring in players. Now, while they may not be superstars, but, you know, guys like Nikita Gusev that came in with a little bit of high praise and finally came over. And you know what? The Devils weren't that good this year, but he had his moments. And I think that that's where you're going to see a lot more teams look forward to. Now, obviously, yes, the idea of domestic development is going to still be at the forefront of any NHL team. You want to draft players that will eventually be on your NHL roster. That's, I mean, that's kind of how it's supposed to work. You know, you have all seven draft. I mean, some teams don't have all seven draft picks, but if you have seven picks, you expect seven players. Now, granted, yes, you know, if you ask any general manager, if you can get two that make the NHL each year, that's a pretty good draft year. But the idea is that you draft kids to develop to become NHLers within your team. But that said, you're still going to have scouts go out and say, hey, you know, be knocking on the door. Say, hey, Steve Eiserman, hey, you know, we got this kid over here playing pretty good in Sweden, kind of leading the Swedish Elite League right now. Maybe we can take a look at him, bring him on over. I mean, what's the worst that happens? You bring him to training camp. You cut, I mean, now, granted, yes, you don't want to just bring him in to cut him because given the fact that a lot of those European leagues do start in September, they actually start around the same time that you see a lot of the Canadian Junior League start here on the state side. So it's it would be an interesting move because obviously it's a roster spot. That's the biggest thing, too. It's a roster spot that you end up just kind of having to fill with a player that you're not quite sure, but that's kind of the risk of your taking when you're bringing in a European player. So going back to Barbanov here, it would be a bit of, of a stretch. You obviously have to get the right deal for a player like that. And if you can bring him in for, you know, 700 grand, absolutely. Kyle Dubas is, he's handwriting 
the contract probably as we speak, if that's the case. Because, you know, you want a guy like that because with the Leafs cap situation, you're going to have to find players that can play every day in the NHL for pretty darn cheap. Because obviously now with this coronavirus, there's no chance of the NHL salary cap going under the higher end. You're probably going to look at maybe only a couple million dollar pay raise for each team. So with that said, nobody's going to be able to make any huge moves. The Leafs aren't going to be out of cap hell yet. They're still going to have some you know, time before that ever happens. And you're just going to kind of have to go with, you know, a lot of these kids that are going to be on the restricted free agent deals, and they're going to be asking for buku bucks here in a couple of years. I mean, guys like Andreas Janssen, Casper Kapanen, if they can pull up, those are guys, if they continue the path they're on, they'll be making $7 million in a couple of years. So you're going to have to maybe think about moving on from them and sticking to your guns like guys like McKayev, like Barman, if they'll bring in on three-year contracts for no more than $2 million for the term. That's what they're going to have to do, and that's why I think Dubas is really taking a look at a guy like Alexander Barbanov, SK St. Petersburg, one of the dominant teams, by the way, in the KHL. And as I kind of scroll through the article here, McKayev also is shares the same agent with Barbanov, Gold Star's Dan Milstein. And I guess the Leafs brass has a sturdy relationship with him, quoting Luke Fox, quote, end quote. So that's obviously important to have a good working relationship. You can bring in a lot of good talent that way. But it'd be an interesting talk and a little tidbit there for your actual news. Hockey news, that is. I guess something that is new, but not news. The NHLPA player poll. Something I've always looked forward to at the end of every year. Talking about who the players think, who they like the best. And something they do every year, and I remember this, they actually kind of had, the players themselves actually kind of installed the idea of ever having a team in Las Vegas. And I remember this, I forget, it was in the, was it early in the 2010s or late 2000s? They, in one of the player polls, they asked, what should be the next city the NHL should expand to? And I believe the majority was Las Vegas. When I heard that, I'm like, come on, guys. You guys can't be that dumb. Because at the time, what do you think? I remember we talked about it on the show. I mean, we would, we would have talked about it on the show. But one of my big critiques on Vegas having a team was, man, you're going to put million-dollar athletes in a city like Las Vegas where there's going to be parties all the time. You're, gonna, you're asking for trouble. And I don't know if it's just because that's how hockey players are, that they're not as out there, not like that. But knock on wood, there hasn't been many problems. I mean, we'll see next year with the Las Vegas Raiders, see how that goes. I'm still oh, 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 about that. Granted, they have like a stinking, starkin' Death Star ship stadium or a spaceship-looking stadium or whatever, but it'll be interesting to see how the Raiders do. But the point is, the NHLPA player poll has always been something interesting. Let's, start, let's stick with the on-ice kind of surveys first. Who is the best forward? Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, as my brother would say, who do you think was named the best forward by the league? If you haven't said Connor McDavid in the last second and a half, well, you're wrong. Connor McDavid, 68.35% of the players voted for Connor McDavid, following behind him, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon. 556 votes. There was also Nikita Kucherov getting 2.88% of the votes as well. 
there were apparently other players that accumulated for the final 7.19%. Very important math here we have. Who's the best defenseman? This is a little bit of an interesting one. You could probably see some conversations, some questions. But Victor Hedman of the Tampa Bay Lightning was voted the best defenseman in the league. 37.88% of the players, not the full majority, but most, at least I have all the votes, gave it to Victor Hedman. A little bit closer, John Carlson at 21.35%, Roman Yossi and Drew Doughty following him at third and fourth. Brent Burns still receiving votes, even though you have to be you have to be able to play defense to be considered a defenseman, but that's just me. Who is the best goaltender? A little bit of a landslide here, despite the team he plays on. Carey Price, still the number one goaltender amongst players, 41.55% of the 515 votes. The rest of the top four include Andre Vasilevsky, then Mark andre Fleury, and Sergei Bobrovsky. Now, obviously, in five years, that could totally change, given the fact that most of these goaltenders, the three of the four except for Vasilevsky, are over the age of 30. That'll be interesting to see where they will all stand, but Carey Price, still amongst the goaltenders, one of the best, despite playing on a Montreal team that would have missed the playoffs. One of the questions, if you need one, if you need to win one game, who is the player of any position you would want on your team? Now, yes, we did ask who is the best forward, best defense, best goaltender. Who is the best player you'd want on your team? Not Connor McDavid. Sidney Crosby, 44.03%. McDavid did come second, getting a little over 30.5% of the votes. Nathan McKinnon coming in third, and then Patrice Bergeron, of course, in fourth of the vote. Sidney Crosby, just because of the fact that you look at a player like him, and I still say it now, Connor McDavid, probably the most skilled player out there. All-world player, fantastic speed, hands, the whole nine yards. But has he won anything? Had Sidney Crosby not won that cup in 09, and let's just say they did win in 16-17, the first 10 years of his career would be filled with scrutiny because he could never win. Sidney Crosby established himself as a winner from the get-go. 09, Stanley Cup. 2010, gold medal. Won a couple world championships in there as well. He has shown from part near the beginning of his career that he has been able to be a champion. That's why people still want him. He may not be the fastest. He may not put up 100 points a season, but he is a guy that's been so consistent over his entire career. Whenever he's in the lineup, He's a guy that can put up the big numbers and play in the big moments. That's why Sidney Crosby, despite what people think about him, if you'd say you wouldn't want him on your team, you're probably a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers. Who is the most complete player? Hmm. Interesting question. I love how I make it sound like I'm trying to think about it, even though I'm looking at the screen right now. Sidney Crosby. Once again, 45.56% of the votes, almost half of the league saying that he's a complete player. And this is why I still love to say it on the show. You probably have heard it in the past come out of my mouth saying that Sidney Crosby was voted as the next one coming into the league. Coming into being a you know a superstar player right off the hop. He's going to be the next one, the next Wayne Gretzky. And I watched him and I said, good player, but... He reminds me more of a Steve Iserman. Good, talented hockey player. But as soon as he learned to play at both ends of the rink, forget about it. I know he'll never win a Selkie, which is why Patrice Bergeron came in second with almost a quarter of the league 
voting for him as the most complete player. With Alexander Barkov and last year's Selkie winner, 2019 Selkie winner, Ryan O'Reilly coming in fourth. But Crosby, once again, he's just the kind of guy that you can tell can do anything and everything for a team. I'd like him to see if he can play goal. That'd be great. Because then we can confirm he is the most complete player. I mean, I know they had issues with Matt Murray being injured for some of the year, and that's what got Tristan Jari sent to the All-Star game. But that would have been interesting give Crosby a game or two. Or was Crosby hurt during that time? I think Crosby may have been. That may have been around the time when the Penguins got ridiculously hot. Who is the game's best trash talker? All right, folks. If you get this one wrong, you are all fired from being fans of the Keel Podcast. Got your votes in? Yes, you're right. Brad Marshad, 25.87% of the votes. Drew Doughty coming in second. I don't know if Drew Doughty, I guess he's a trash talker. I thought he just, he definitely says a lot more in the media than the rest of the league. Ryan Reeves, yeah, makes sense. Patrick Maroon, another one. He's definitely a guy that's not willing to, you know, speak his mind on the ice, but typical Brad Marchand, who do you have? And then, so that he was the best trash talker, who was the game's worst trash talker? Brad Marchand, followed by Drew Doughty. 10.5% Marchand, 6.85 for Doughty. P.K. Subban and Nick Cousins following up. Nick Cousins, really? Maybe it's because he just doesn't, maybe it's because he doesn't chat. Maybe it's because he doesn't know what he's saying. You guys remember the, the D3 Mighty Ducks, the third installment of the Mighty Ducks series? When Kenny Wu was trying to chirp on the bench? Hey, 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 43, you, you play, you, you don't play so well. That's that's probably Nick Cousins right there. P.K. Subban, I, I just think he talks a lot. I'm pretty sure he tries to do a talk show on the ice. It's probably what happens. All right, and then another question that the, the players have. There's a few here. We'll maybe speed it up a little bit here. Of all the players, past or present, who would you pay to see play? Number one, Wayne Gretzky. Well, shocker there, 31.3%. Following up, though, in second, Bobby Orr. I'm sure if you ask Don Cherry, he'll say that should be reversed. And maybe Bobby Orr be the best player. But then you got Mary Lemieux in third and Connor McDavid coming in fourth. How about Connor McDavid getting in there with some of the legends? Another question is, would you like to see players' personalities expressed on their equipment? And if so, how? And it's more or less just the, I guess, so they said yes. 53% were yes. 47% said no of the equipment that you like to see a little bit of, you know, kind of some characterization on. The skates first, 40%, and then sticks and helmet close with 4% and 3% of the players saying that. Now, it's interesting because if any of you have ever played eSports Hockey League on EA Sports NHL, you will see how players will get the bright orange sticks or the bright pink sticks and the pink helmet and the purple skates and the yellow you know, stick tape and the yellow this, yellow that. That's exactly how it happens. I mean, yeah, that's that's probably where it spawns from. And, you know, it would be interesting because you see it for basketball players and obviously you have football players. Fo- excuse me. Well, American football and real football players, they put, they'll have different color cleats, cleats or whatever. So it, it is kind of cool to see, you know, maybe some characters. At least maybe, I'd say at the All-Star game. I think the All-Star game would be okay place to do that. If you want to keep it ho-hum with the regular season, that's fine, but... I think during the regular season, you could do that. You could try it at least. You know, they, they tried all the, the player tracking during the All-Star game. You can try some characterization there. Try that. Have some fun with it a little bit. Another question they ask, who is the best female hockey player in the world? Pretty tight battle here from the top two. One Canadian, one American. Surprise, surprise. Coming in first, though, Marie-Philippe Poulin. 
30, almost 40% of the players' votes. Right behind her, though, with 36.29% of the votes, Hillary Knight from Team USA. Kendall Coyne Schofield and Emily Matheson, both of Team USA, come up third and fourth. 6.85% the rest of the votes on that front. So that is the on-ice portion of the NHLPA player poll. So now let's talk about some of the off-ice stuff. Would you be in favor of relaxing game day dress code similar to the NBA? Now, this is where I'm going to start yelling at the players. It's always the off-ice stuff that I get mad about. 73% of the players said yes, they should have a relaxed style. 27% said no. Now, I don't know if they're talking about, because they for yes, they have like the picture of it looks like Frederick Anderson, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews kind of wearing like leisure suits or whatever, but those are still suits. I'd be okay with that, like, you know, kind of funny suits, but like Don Cherry, for example, but I don't want to see players show up in dress suits. I cannot dress, you know, or not dress suits, excuse me, track suits. Cannot see players show up in street clothes, in jeans. I, I'm a broadcaster, guys. I'm an ACHA broadcaster. I love dressing up for games. I just feel like it's classy. We used to do that when we played at Davenport. Players at Davenport still do it today. I never understood coming up in a track suit or a jumpsuit to a hockey game. It looked, I mean, yes, I get it. When you're like in minor hockey, when you're 13 years old, I know some peewee teams that do it. We used to wear khaki pants from, you know, going through Bantam hockey and midget hockey. But, you know, I mean, I get it when you're a kid or whatever, because obviously you don't want you know, parents buying, you know, $200 suits for kids that are going to grow them in a couple of years. But, you know, what I'm saying though, I always like the idea that we always dress nice and I love dressing up nice. I love wearing a suit. My gosh, my wife, whenever I put a suit on, she can't keep her hands off me. And I wish I was lying on that, but I'm not. So I, I'd like to see that a little bit more. I'd like, to, I'd like to keep that the same. So that's where I keep, where I'm separate from the members of the NHL, the players that is. Then they ask a question of who is the funniest player in the NHL? Kind of an interesting one here because you have guys, you know, third, second and third are Drew Doughty and Brad Marchand. I don't know who thinks he's funny, but that's whatever. Phil Kessel in fourth. Number one, though, Keith Yandel. Maybe we can get him on the show because I'm interested. Former all-star Keith Yandel. Almost 18% of the votes getting in there. And apparently he's widely considered the funniest man in hockey. He's apparently, I mean, he's a good defenseman as well. He made the all-star team. But interesting answer there. Which players have the best bromance in the league? So like the best, you know, two best friends on each team. Number one, and now don't forget, this is me very low numbers because of how many there are, 218 votes. Out of the top, I believe there's top six that they have listed here, at least shown, there were 72.94% votes for other duos. But the number one at 6.42%, David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly. Of the St. Louis Blues. And of course, they show a picture with them and Layla Anderson, which just grabs your heartstrings and pulls them right through your chest and back out again. And then you have Joe Thorne and Brent Burns of the Sharks at two. Matthews and Mitch Marner. Awesome, Matthews and Mitch Marner in third. Matthew. K- <laughs> oh, this is a great answer. So, four, or this is going to be fifth as Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Sixth is Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. That's okay. The fourth best bromance in the NHL, according to the players, is Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty. All right. Someone's trolling over here. That's gr- that's a great answer. I'm sorry. That's that's awesome. 
I, it's the fact that they're even in there is just makes me laugh. Makes me happy. Which player is the best to follow on social media? Number one, PK Subban, mainly because he's probably the most active of the bunch. But then you have Alex Ovechkin in second, which because he's just a funny guy to look at. Brad Marchand's third. Max Domi is fourth. And Max Domi is because he's, you know, he's a younger kid, and he's kind of that way as well. He likes to post stuff. And I've actually had interactions with Max Domi. I called him out on a radical error once, and that was my moment of glory on the social media, on the tweeters, was when Max Domi said, you're right, I'll correct, ruined my tweet when I called him out on grammatical error. Yep, Max Domi and I, best friends. Which player isn't on social media, but should be? Number one, Sidney Crosby. Well, you know, arguably the best player in the league for the past, you know, two decades almost now. Gosh, he's, been on, he's almost been in the league for two decades now, guys. This is his 14th year in the league, and man, what a... How, how old do you feel now? Now, granted, I was in middle school when he came into the league, but still, who cares? But, regardless, coming in second, Joe Thornton. That would definitely be an interesting one just because of the fact that actually being able to meet Joe Thornton, he is, I mean, he is an interesting guy. He's a fun guy to talk to and, you know, always very casual. I'm sure he'd like to post fun stuff, post stuff, probably him on his tractor and whatnot. Then you have Tyler Ennis and Jay Bomeister. Tyler Ennis, yeah, you know, he's a kind of a hardworking guy. Apparently, he's a fun guy to apparently talk to. But Jay Bomeister, always Mr. Quiet Bomeister. I mean, obviously, it's a good thing he's able to, you know, move and be able to recover from what I've heard from his cardiac episode during the regular season. But I've never known him as a very outgoing guy. So it'd be interesting to see him on social media. Who has the best nickname? Coming at a whopping 8%, Tomas Tuna Tatar. All right. I guess tuna was a thing. I never knew that. I called him Tater Salad just because of the old Ron White skit. Of course, then you have Pasta, David Pasternak coming in second, Breadman Panarin in third, Christian Stinky Fisher in fifth. All right. Didn't know that was a thing. Maybe I'll have to ask Louis Pinon on that one. Who is the best golfer among players? Joe Pavelski, apparently, according to almost 16% of the league, believe he is. Tyler Bozak, Justin Schultz, second and third. Cal Clutterbuck, Mark Stone, and Greg, Greg McKegg. I forgot Greg McKegg was still in the league. But, of course, golfing, always a fun little activity to do when, you know, not everything is shut down. But that was... That was the 2019-2020 NHLPA Players Poll. The only one I probably had a real issue with was probably the dressing one. But that's just because I like dressing up and stuff. I don't know. I, I know there's probably some people that listen to this show. They're like, I wear a suit every day to work. It's annoying. I wish I could go in you know, jeans or shorts you know, sometimes. And I get that. But you know, when you're in the NHL, you represent the best. I mean, it's... I mean, imagine going to a big corporate meeting and whatnot, and I'm sure if you're like an executive and you come in wearing, you know, your your Honolulu Hawaiian shirt, khakis, and your Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville flip-flops. Yeah, it wouldn't look too pretty now, would it? But that's just me. That's my little, you know, that's my little pedestal I'll sit on for that. But certainly some interesting stuff from the players of the National Hockey League. And I know there's been a lot of players that have they've done a lot of the, the Zoom interviews with media and stuff like that, and that's how a lot of people have had to run their shows, actually. I know, like, that's hockey with Gino Retta. He's been having to do that on remote 
which is interesting. Tim and Sid, they've done a remote. I mean, we have always done a remote here on the Cool Podcast. We were doing stuff quarantine before quarantine was cool because, you know, nobody would want us to be outside anyways because, let's be honest, they saw our faces. It would be all but over. But, you know, it's it's an interesting time right now. But as long as we just keep moving along here, just keep chugging her and just keep holding on. And you know what? It, we don't know how long it's going to be. But the best thing we can do is stay safe and stay responsible and don't go crazy. Like, try to go back to work when you don't need to. Trust me, I've, I've been off for oh, about a week now, and I'm starting to lose my mind a little bit. I'm looking out for other jobs, and I'm like, there's no jobs out there, Tyler. And I'm doing a lot of stuff with Davenport. I'm going to be doing some Hobie Baker content here in the coming days for the hockey writers because they will announce the hat trick nominees for the Hobie Baker Award in the coming days. The NCAA will, so be sure to look out for that. Be sure to catch out all the great stuff they're posting on the hockey writers right now. A lot of our guys, a lot of our guys and gals are putting together some good historical content, like best players for each organization and looking back on historic events. Definitely give them a look, guys. Give them a good read because they earned it. These guys are these guys and gals, they're writing and when times that it's almost impossible to write. I mean, we haven't laid anyone off because we don't have anyone that's on payroll. None of us are. We do it because we love it, and that's why we, I believe we provide some of the best content out there. I know the Hockey News, who I did mention with Cody, talking about a player like Connor Bedard, that the Hockey News actually did have to lay off a few, pl- few people, and I'm sure that's going to pick up a little bit when they start doing more and more content with their with stuff like, you know, the draft coming up, which has been delayed as well. But there'll be more stuff coming out here in the coming days and more people will be coming out. And I mean, right now, it's just a waiting game. I know we'd like to be talking about the start of Major League Baseball right now, but all we can do is go on MLB.TV and stream games for free right now because there's nothing else going on. I mean, Hockey.TV, another good place if you want to actually watch Connor Bedard. Plenty of coverage from the CSSHL where he did play. So if you want to watch any of his full games, definitely send the link over to Cody. You can go on there, watch it for free right now, catch some good action there. And make sure once again, folks, you go on at World Hockey Report. That's at World Hockey RPT. Get all your good information there from Cody and the gang. Mondays and Fridays, like we said, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 12-ounce sports, Mountain Time, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Monday and Friday, twice a week. Catch it on demand on 12 Hour Sports, or you can catch it on Apple Podcasts. Here for us, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. That, that, that's Spotify, if you don't kind of get my funny little quib I threw on that one. Not a quibby, my quit, whatever you want to call it. I'm, we're not quibby. We're not going to do a quibby. We're not going to do a TikTok. I'm sorry, we're not going to do it. Why would I do a Quibi when I have to make you pay for stuff? Why would I ever do that to you good people? We come, we do this stuff for free for you guys because we want you to get all the best content without having to pay for anything. Because there's no such thing as a good free outlet anymore. You have to pay for everything now, except for us here on the Keel Podcast. Hopefully next week we have Alex on coming on back, probably calling on in. We're probably going to do, in the next coming weeks, a Hockey for Dummies episode. An episode that... Maybe interesting for some, maybe dumb for others, because, of course, as you all know, Alex, his girlfriend Katie, who we've had a couple times, member of our peanut gallery, had suggested that because, 
you know, some people that don't get some of the rules. And if you're just like a very casual hockey fan that doesn't quite know the game, but cheers for the home team, I'd like to give you a little bit of a lowdown on some of the lingo and some of the, some of the niches you see in hockey. So we're going to do that probably coming up here soon. We'll have her on, probably have Kelly on as well. Have a big old party here on the Kill Podcast. Definitely be fun. Maybe if we can actually get them out of the house without anyone getting in trouble. That's kind of the more or less the big thing there. But for now, that is it from the quarantine studio here in West Michigan. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Kill Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the Kill Podcast. Use the hashtag TKP or hashtag the Kill Podcast. Tell us what you think about the NHLPA player poll. What do you disagree with? What do you agree with? Tell us what you think of the WHL draft coming up here, of all the great prospects that Cody dove into, and will Connor Bedard actually become a superstar, or will he kind of get lost in the weeds? That is the dub, the Western Hockey League. And what are you doing in the spare time? Tell us what you're doing, because, you know, we could use some ideas here. We could use a thing or two, a hint of what we should be doing instead of just laying around playing video games and writing articles. You know, fun stuff to do. You know, like backflips. Maybe I should learn how to do a backflip. I mean, we have a grass yard here at the apartment complex here at the quarantine studio. We could probably make it happen. We could do some backflips. I mean, I'll, and it'll take me a little bit, and, and it's raining outside right now, so maybe not right now, but maybe tomorrow I'll do a backflip. I'll post that if I ever do a backflip. Maybe. I don't know. That sounds dangerous, actually. Maybe not. We'll next that idea. We'll think about it. Maybe next week. From now, though, I'm Tyler Kuehl saying thank you for listening to this week's episode We'll see you next time here on the Kiel Podcast. Goodbye. I tell you, this coronavirus thing isn't that bad. I mean, it's nice and quiet and everything's relaxed. Nobody's pressuring you to do anything. You know, it's just kind of very chill and very mellow right now. You don't have to worry. Like you said you were going to do four hours ago. Okay, maybe not.